Yemunla. You're listening to Karakaramo EV, Karakaramo, the English version. Karakaramo is a podcast about the representation of the Caribbean in cinema and television. You can check out my website, karakaramo.com, for more info. I'm your host, Patra M, and this is episode 6, part 3. <laughs> Okay, we're going right into it. Today, we're talking about the film Neg Mahon. It's a film from Guadeloupe, directed by Jean-Claude Barney, and it was released in 2005. Neg Mahon is the Creole expression for maroon, which was the term used to describe runaway slaves in the Caribbean back in the slavery days. Here's the plot. Negmaron takes place in a low-income neighborhood of Guadeloupe in the early 2000s. Josua and Silex lead an idle life while committing petty theft until Marcus, a white creole witch thug, hires them to steal an important envelope. What seems to be an easy mission turns into a nightmare for the two childhood friends when the mobster is found dead with a bullet in his head. The first Caribbean connection was about how Jean-Claude Barney gives a new meaning to the usual stereotypes about Guadeloupe's history and Guadeloupe's landscape. Now it's time to talk about the social dynamics. Considering that I keep telling you that I didn't feel represented as a teenage girl, I guess you probably have an idea of what kind of representation women have in this film. It's time for the second Caribbean connection. The Caribbean connection segment is to discuss how a film makes me reflect on my identity as a black woman, as an Afro-Caribbean woman, as a Guadeloupean woman and as a French woman. Women in Negmaron are one-dimensional. They're only here as props to enhance dramatic situations and highlight male characters. And that's why I never feel represented when I watch this film. Josua's family is the only family represented. Silex lives on his own and we never get to know why or or how he ended up like this. Josua's family is supposed to represent an ordinary Guadeloupean family. So, first, the female characters. There's the mom, the mother. I already talked about how this Fampotomitan figure is deeply celebrated in Guadeloupean culture. Fampotomitan means pillar woman. And I talk about it in episode 2 with um, the film Rain by Maria Gauvin. Josua's mother is the representation of the Fampotomitan myth from a man's perspective. Instead of showing how all the sacrifices destroy her and how she also needs to be taken care of and to be cared about, all she's allowed to do is to be the bitter, um, tough, angry black woman. 
holding the family together as much as she can while her husband lost his job and fell into depression and stays drunk all day. And guess what? Josua still blames her for not supporting his father and not fighting more for the father to find his sanity again. From a woman's perspective, it's very difficult to watch this kind of scene where women are, they get blamed for other people's fault and there's not one single character to be on their side. When her son asks her why she kicked the father out, she simply says, young man, I still have four children to feed. And she goes to work. So the mom is played by Kassav singer Jocelyn Berois, and she kills it in this scene. She has so much dignity and so much grace. And yet you feel the resentment and the vulnerability, and she doesn't want to show it. In the end, she's still the one who takes the first step toward the dad and she literally goes looking for him to bring back home. In the Caribbean, we are conditioned to believe that men being unable to be fathers are the norm that will never change. Fathers not being present is the most common excuse to explain why young men lean on the wrong side of life. Like, oh, I didn't have a father, so I wasn't taught how to be a man. That's the reason to excuse men's toxic behavior. Anyway, before we move to the male characters, let me finish with the the woman. So Joshua has two little twin sisters there in middle school, I think. They're irrelevant to the plot. They just complete the family picture when there are scenes in the family home. How do they leave the stressful situations at home, the absence of their father? The film doesn't talk about that. Same goes for 15-year-old Louise. She's Joshua's third sister. I think she's like three years younger than him. Spoiler alert. She's secretly dating Silex. So she's here to show that Silex is a bad boy, but with a good heart. And on top of that, spoiler alert again, Louise is pregnant by the end of the film. What I was saying in episode two about young girls learn about sexuality only through violence, but never as an expression of love, also applies to Louise. What do we know about her, apart from the fact that she will become a mother at a very young age? We know nothing about her. Does she have other ambitions besides being Silex's baby mama? I don't know. Maybe it's said in the scenes that were edited out. But in the final version, her character has no personality and development. And I'm not here for that because as a teenage girl, I just couldn't relate at all. And let's finish on the last female character, Gladys, the woman Pedro is in love with. So I talk about Pedro later on. So to me, Gladys is the character with, Gladys is the character which is the most representative of the exploitation of the female body to serve a plot which the character would otherwise be excluded of. The first time we see her, She's walking, 
so she's with her her friends and she's walking around la place de la victoire um i think you can call it victory square you know and pedro cat calls her and we understand that she has a boyfriend paula and in the meantime she wants to be with pedro how did she meet pedro how long have they been involved Why does she want to be with him? I have no answer but the fact that Pedro is very good looking. The actor who, who plays Pedro is Stommy Bugsy, a famous French rapper, especially in the 90s and early 2000s. Okay, I had a crush on him. Maybe I still do because he's still fine. But... I, I I understand. I mean, you see him, of course you want to be with him, but objectively speaking, why does she want to be with a guy who obviously isn't a provider and he won't take care of you? So why? I, I'm not sure. And next time Gladys appears on screen, she's presented as um, a survivor. And... Okay, so this is a trigger warning because I'm going to talk about violence against women, I mean, sexual violence against women. So maybe you can skip forward um, like two minutes. And uh, yeah, so we don't get to see the violence on screen. We just see the aftermath. So she calls Pedro on the phone. She's in tears. And when Pedro gets to her place, Uh, he sees her and you see her face is bruised and swollen and she tells him that Paulin, her fiancé, raped her. And Pedro goes crazy. Instead of staying by Gladys' side, I don't know, like taking her to the hospital or maybe going with her to file a police report, he goes looking for Paulin, the fiancé, and he just wants to get revenge. And they get into a fight. Clearly, a scene like this wouldn't fly today. And when I say today, I mean in 2020, 2021. How was this twist necessary to the main plot? I don't know. And and the third time we see Gladys on the screen, she's in the back of Pedro's car. And they're sharing a passionate kiss. And you understand that they're going to get it on. And... Yeah, so from the beginning to the end of the film, Gladys is sexualized for no reason but to show how cool and brave Pedro is. Even when she gets assaulted, the focus is on Pedro's reaction and not on how she feels. There's really no female character that I can relate to in this film. And as a Guadeloupian woman, I wondered at that time if this meant that if we weren't one of those cliches, the mom, the sister, the baby mama, the lover, we didn't deserve to be portrayed. I guess you know my answer, but what Nick Marron does very well is to give a nuanced and multidimensional representation of young black men. The representation is nuanced from a visual perspective. They don't look alike. Even when the male characters wear similar clothing, you can still easily 
identify each of them because they have their own style and they don't have the same background either. Pedro didn't grow up in Guadeloupe. He grew up in the hood in um, Paris suburbs. To me, his character's background is a bit stigmatizing. He isn't back in Guadeloupe because he wants to reconnect with his roots or because he loves the island. He's back because he wanted to stay away from illegal trouble in France. So the life in the diaspora has its share of struggle. So I thought it was a bit easy to push this narrative like that. I'm well aware that it wasn't so uncommon for parents in the 90s and the early 2000s to send back their kids during their teen years when the kids started quote-unquote acting up. Still, I feel like it's an issue that deserve to be presented with a more complex approach. Anyway, my point was, Neg Mahon tries to diversify the representation of the Guadeloupian youth. There's no explanation as to how Josra and Silex fall into this life of idleness, and I find this lack of explanation all the more striking because the past of Josua's father is gradually being revealed all throughout the film to explain his alcoholism. Was Josua a bad student? Or did he graduate from high school and couldn't find a job? Or did he drop out from high school? How does Silex end up living completely alone when he's barely 18 or 19? How do they end up stealing? Again, these answers may be in the edited scene, but it might have helped me to understand the psychology of their characters. In the end, it's a film in which young people have a central place, but the problems that are specific to them are overlooked. It's all about the adults' problems. The neighborhood is threatened by a redevelopment project. Josra's father was wrongly fired. The slavery colonial system that puts them at the bottom of the ladder in front of Marcus, these dynamics remain external to the characters. And there's this scene where Silex tells Josra's uncle, Siwo. Siwo was trying to talk some sense into Josua, and Silex was like, you know what? We already have our own issues to deal with, so there's no need for you to give us a moral lesson, and then Josua and Silex leave. It's a powerful scene because you see these two generations of men. They're both suffering, and yet they cannot communicate and they don't see, they, they, they cannot help each other. Josua and Silex aren't rich. They don't have a life of luxury, but they can count on each other. And even though it was something I saw around me back then, seeing these friendships on screen gave them a form of legitimacy, but it wasn't the kind of toxic man friendship like women who spend our time smoking, partying, and hitting on every woman. It's more like their friendship, well, they have that too, but we also see their friendship 
as something healthy. When the group of friends is gathered, they share their emotions, their vulnerability. I love it when Pedro says out loud that he says it with a um, French expression, so I don't know if, he, if, if it would make sense in English, but he says that he loves Gladys so much and the, and his friends tease him, but they don't shame him for being in love. There's genuine laughter between them, especially with, um, so, so there are two characters. One is called Sonny and the other one is called, um, Pat Koshi. So <laughs> Pat Koshi is Creole for, I don't know, there's, something wrong with his leg so they call him Pat Koshi because he he has a crooked leg and um yeah so they they they're here as a comic relief their duo is funny because they don't try to actually be funny but their presence is enough to create a friendly atmosphere to me they symbolize real brotherhood when i think of the friendly dynamic created around Joshua. They listen to him. They let him express himself, even when he's just rumbling philosophical stuff while they're smoking weed. This film could have existed with no female character at all. And it would still be entertaining because the brotherhood, because of the fraternal bond between Joshua and Silex, is self-sufficient. Moreover, I find that Silex is presented as the most sensitive of the two between Josua and him. At no time, Josua is interested in Silex's emotional state, while Silex is always concerned about Josua and how he's feeling. Okay, so let me talk about my favorite scene of the film. Silex and Josua see Josua's father drunk sitting on the terrace of um, the neighborhood grocery store. Siwo, Josua's uncle, so is trying to give them a lecture about what, about their behavior and why not. And this is when Siwo explains to Josua how his father ended up being um alcoholic and um Joshua prefers to live with Silex who takes him home and Silex tells him to keep hope that his father will get himself together and um Joshua wants to be all yeah I'm cool it doesn't affect me at all and Silex tells him stop fronting I just love when he say that he knows how Joshua feels and tells him not to worry, you know, and they bump fist and Silex leaves and the feelings are verbalized in such a controlled yet genuine way. And it's important for me to show young black men talking openly about their feelings. And this is the climax of the film. And it might be spoiler-ish. Joshua finally figures out what Silex did. I'm not going to tell you what he did, but if you know, you know. And Joshua tells him this line that was reenacted so many times 
like years after the film was released. He tells Silex over and over again, lower your gaze. And I remember that it had caused so much debate. Josua says the word in French. And in French, it would sound like bestie yeux sur moi. Silex, bestie yeux sur moi. The majority of us thought it should have been in Creole because it was about anger. And when you're angry, you usually speak Creole. And yeah, so it would have sound like See, you hear it in my voice. Not like, um, that doesn't sound the same at all. And at the end of the day, this scene is typically what I call a cult scene. The kind of scene that everyone knows even without having seen the film. Because it's so powerful that it stays in awe collective memory forever. At least I think that scene should. So to answer my first question at the beginning, how do Guadalupean people perceive themselves? Are we kind to ourselves? What is the place of women? Neg Mahon plays on the ambivalence between the solidarity spirit in a daily life of struggle and violence in our relationships to other people. I do think that the storytelling sometimes makes it a bit too much of a regular French hood film. What I mean by that is how this film uses all the codes but it could have been more contextualized to Guadeloupe. Still, Neg Marron is a time capsule at the crossroads of several issues in Guadeloupe, but not all issues. You get to see different generations of artists from Guadeloupe and Martinique immortalized at a specific point in their careers. Guadeloupean men are represented in their fragility and vulnerability. Women not so much. Mm. But it is just as interesting to see how this kind of representation can be diversified. This is why I consider Neg Marron as a classic. It shows the complexity between our past, present and future. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Caramon. Don't hesitate to share your thoughts about the episodes. You can give me five stars on Apple Podcasts if you want to help Caro Caramont to get more visibility. You can also check out my website, carocaramont.com, where you can find all the info about the episode. Now, season one is officially over, and it's time to move to season two. And in season two, I'm going to talk a lot about the representation of love, the representation of love between a man and a woman, the representation of love for your Caribbean culture, the representation of love between, um, I mean, interracial, interracial love. That's what we're going to do. We are going to talk about love in the Caribbean. And we are going to start with a film from Antigua, The Sweetest Mango. I love this film so so much i cannot wait to talk about it with you see you at dans d'autres soleils jambered